O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. If you ask a random person, what does it mean to be a Christian? You'll probably get two sets of answers. The first set are answers about beliefs, what we believe, a list of things that you agree with in order to be considered a Christian. And uh, depending on your denomination, you might have different sets of beliefs, right? And uh, also, depending on who you ask, you have to believe a certain number of those in order to make the cut. You know, at least 50% of these beliefs and you're in, right? But then there's a second set of answers to that question. What does it mean to be a Christian? And that set of answers have to do not so much with beliefs, but actions. Things you have to do or things you shouldn't do in order to be a Christian. And again, depending on which church or denominational tradition, you might have a certain set of actions that are permitted and a group of actions that are forbidden. So beliefs and actions. The story of Christianity could in many ways be written as a history between these two competing set of answers. What must we believe in order to be a Christian? What must we do in order to be a Christian? And churches can kind of lurch back and forth between emphasizing one group of answers or the other. And each of those two sets of answers also find great biblical support. For instance, Paul in Ephesians chapter 2 writes that it is by grace we have been saved through faith, not as a result of your works. Of course, then in James chapter 5, verse 14, we read James saying, What good is it, brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but have no works? Faith without works is dead. So, whose side do we take? Paul or James? Belief or actions? Faith or works? Well, in, in fairness to the two apostles, if they were here with us this morning, I imagine they would say the answer is Jesus. You see, sometimes the Sunday school answer is the right answer. The answer is Jesus. What does it mean to live a Christian life? What does it mean to believe in the truth of Christianity? Is Christianity what we do or what we believe? And the answer is Jesus, who in the gospel lesson this morning makes this claim, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So first, what does it mean when Jesus says, I am the way? Now this term, the way, is rich with biblical meaning and import. And particularly in the Hebrew scriptures, we find this term, the way, all over the Old Testament. In Jewish wisdom tradition, the way denoted a lifestyle of wise people. For instance, from Proverbs chapter 2, we hear this, For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding 
He is a shield of those who walk blamelessly, guarding the paths of justice and preserving the way of his faithful ones. Therefore, walk in the way of the good. Keep to the paths of the just. See, to, to be considered wise in the Old Testament is to walk in the ways of goodness and justice. We even see this expressed in parenting advice in the Old Testament. From Proverbs 22, Train a child in the right way, and when they are old, they shall not stray. Oh Lord, I hope that's true. <laughs> now we see a similar theme developed in the Psalms where the term the way is used to, uh, as a metaphor to describe a life lived in accordance with the will of God. In Psalm 119, we hear these words, Happy are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the way of the Lord. Oh, that my ways may be kept steadfast in your statutes. Make me understand the way of your precepts, O Lord, and I will meditate on your wondrous works. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your law, and I will observe it to the end. I hope what you can see from all of these just brief examples is that in the Old Testament, this context of the way is not simply a road to a destination. It is the destination itself, a way of living in accordance with and in unity with God. The way is the purpose God has for us all. And so it is with that deep understanding and rich tradition that Jesus says, I am the way. In Jesus' life, we see a way of life that incarnates divine wisdom. A way of life that is motivated by love that seeks justice and peace, a way of life that offers forgiveness, healing, and joy. Jesus lives out what it means to walk in the way of God and invites each of us to join Him on that way. So it's not surprising then that the earliest Christians did not call themselves Christian. The first name for their community was called The Way. Now, I love the word Christian. I'm glad to be a Christian. But something in me hearkens for that day in which we were called the way. The way. Now, Jesus also calls himself the truth. And so we have to spend at least a little bit of time this morning asking what does he mean by this? What does it mean that Jesus is the truth? Now, we live in a culture that's actually a lot more similar to Jesus' own day than sometimes we realize, in which there are competing truths. Facts, if there are such things, seem open to interpretation and debate. Uh, truth, like beauty, we say, is in the eye of the beholder. 
People say that truth is relative. Truth depends upon your own point of view, your own context, your own upbringing, your own culture, your own life experiences. What does it mean then, or how can it make any sense for us to say today that we find our truth in a 2,000-year-old Jewish rabbi? And what does his teaching have anything to do with the complexities of a modern world? Jesus talks about figs and mustard seeds and birds, and we live in a world with the internet and high-speed stock trades and fake news. What in the world can we find in Jesus that is anything like truth? But again, us modern folk are a lot like those ancient folk, and perhaps we find ourselves echoing the question that Pilate asks Jesus. What is this truth? Now I know that the first answer will be frustrating that I'm about to give you. But with Jesus, truth is not a set of principles. Truth is a relationship. Stay with me. Christian truth is not a list of things to believe, but a relationship to be entered into. Look again at John 14. After Jesus makes this claim about himself being the way, the truth, and the life, he says, No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also, and from now on you do know him. And have seen him. Now, after he says this, I didn't read this part, but one of the disciples speaks up, and his name is Philip. And Philip questions Jesus and basically says, Jesus, prove it. Prove that you are in the Father. To which Jesus says, Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. And the words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. But if you do not, then believe me because of the works that I do. Now, you see, to recognize that Jesus is the truth is to affirm that as the Word made flesh, Jesus makes God available to the world in a specific way. Jesus doesn't say, no one comes to God except through me. He says, no one comes to the Father except through me. In the Incarnation, God is revealed as relationship. The Christian truth is that at the center of the universe in the middle of the cosmos, in the very center of all that exists ever, there is a loving relationship of a father and of a son, of a parent and a child, a creator who unites with the creation. That is the truth. And I can't get you to believe it I can only invite you to experience it. This relationship. Another way to say it is that 
the truth of Jesus is that to know his Father is to know him and vice versa. And so whatever we have to say about one has to be true about the other. Which means that since we know Jesus most fully in the way of the cross, the work of redemption, and the power of resurrection, we can say with certainty that this reveals the heart of the God that Jesus calls Father. Over and over throughout the scriptures, when Jesus teaches, heals, or forgives, he says it is not by his own power, but by the authority of the one who sent him. And each time we hear the voice of God in scriptures, God is saying, this is my son, the beloved, listen to him. Every time Jesus speaks about his father, and every time God speaks about Jesus, it's always in relationship terms. Because at the heart of the universe is a loving relationship. And that is true. The Father is the one who offers the world abundant and eternal life through Jesus. And Jesus is the way the Father shows his love to the world. Of course, throughout history... This passage, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me, sometimes this passage has been used to divide and exclude rather than to bring in and to build up. Now remember, when these words were first written down, Christians were not a dominant world religion. They were not powerful, famous, rich. They didn't hold elective office. They were this minority religious group on the edge of the Mediterranean Sea. For their claim to believe in Jesus, they were a close-knit group that had come to understand and believe that the truth in Jesus should change the way they live. And so that's the question that I want to ask you this morning. What does this truth mean for you? Let me ask it a different way. If you believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, are you willing to live your life in such a way that reveals that truth? Are you willing to live your life in such a way that reveals the truth. Which brings us, of course, to that final part of Jesus' famous sentence, I am the way, the truth, and I am the life. Now, oftentimes we never let Jesus finish his statements, and we spend so much time on the first thing that we never get around to his conclusion. And so I know I've spent a lot of time on way and truth, but stay with me so I can talk about his claim that Jesus is the life. The word life appears 37 times in John's gospel alone. Famously in John chapter 10, we hear the words of Jesus speaking that I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. And then just one chapter later, Jesus is at the funeral of his friend Lazarus who had died. And Jesus makes this shocking claim that I am the resurrection 
and I am the life. Abundant, eternal, real life is what Jesus offers. Life that is strong enough to face the challenges of this world. Life that pushes back against the darkness. Life that will endure pain. Life that will overcome obstacles. Life that will go on even through and beyond death. And God in Jesus offers us this life. Uh, An early Christian theologian named Irenaeus put it this way. The glory of God is a human being fully alive. The glory of God is a human being fully alive. Can you imagine that, that what God wants any more than all else in the world is for each one of us children to be fully alive. Fully alive to the love and joy of life. Fully alive to one another. Fully alive to God. And fully alive forever. Now you don't have to believe Irenaeus. You find it all throughout the gospel as well. I just like the way that Irenaeus says it. I also like the fact that Irenaeus, when he was a young boy, his pastor was a man by the name of Polycarp. That's a pretty funny name. And Polycarp, his childhood pastor, had been converted to Christianity by the Apostle John. The glory of God. The glory of God as a human being fully alive. You see, friends, as followers of the way, as followers of the way, we are to love and to live. Our life are to be witnesses to the way of love and the truth of the gospel in Jesus. Now, out there in the world that we're about to go back into, there are many people who have become convinced that no one loves them that there's no one who cares for them, that life doesn't matter. Out there in the world is a world of seven billion people in which many people feel alone. Out there is a world full of people who have set their life's hope solely on how much stuff they can acquire, how much money they can earn, how many toys they can surround themselves with. And with a life full of stuff, they feel empty. And it is to that world that God came in Jesus Christ to show us a way full of truth that leads to life. And it is to that world that each of us are called to love and to serve whether that way leads to Honduras or to the hospital, to your school, to your neighbor's house, we are called to follow that way. And while we may not know all the twists and turns that this road will take, 
we can rest in the truth that this way leads to life. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we confess that so often we seek to follow our own way, hoping to find our own truth in hopes of building our own lives. And Lord, as often as we have tried, more often than that we have failed. And so help us, Lord, to receive the gift that you are the way, the truth, and the life. That in relationship with you, we may find love and forgiveness and peace. And so much more than that, we find a way of life that shares this truth. So that more and more people can come to know your love. And that this world, this world that you loved so much that you sent your son Jesus, that this world would be full of that love. This we pray, uniting our hearts and voices together with the prayer that Jesus taught us to say. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.